0: Chapter eight of Pictures of Jewish Home Life fifty Years Ago This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Pictures of Jewish Home Life fifty Years Ago by Hannah Traeger. Chapter eight-How Charity is Given On the following Friday evening the next letter that mr Jacob chose for reading to his family and friends was on the way almsgiving or charity was managed in Palestine. Before starting to read, he advised his hearers not to forget that the Jewish community in Palestine was very small when this letter was written, and the majority of the people were very poor. Many had spent most of their money and worldly goods in the expenses of travelling there with the object of ending their days in their beloved land and being buried with their forefathers. Mr. Jacob then began the letter, my dear Milly. You seem so interested in all I have so far told you about our life in Palestine, that I think you will like to hear of some of the ways that our poorer brethren are helped in Palestine. Many of the ways will appear strange to you, yet I think some of them are really better than those adopted by our community in England. Here there is no board of guardians, so that the giving of charity, or a helping hand to the sick or needy, is more of a direct personal matter. The givers strive to be wise and tactful, so that our people may not lose their self-respect, for, as a rule, they are naturally very sensitive, and if self-respect is lost, some are encouraged to become beggars proper. Mother tells us that our Jewish ethics teaches that true charity or alms-giving is to make personal sacrifices when helping others. There is no self-sacrifice in giving what you cannot make use of yourself. Indeed, one Jewish ethical teacher wrote, if one who has lived a luxurious life becomes sick and in need, we should try to deny ourselves in order to give the sick one dainties such as chicken and wine. Really, some of our neighbors here seem to rejoice in giving away not only all they can spare, but also in making personal sacrifices in helping to relieve a needy neighbor. From early childhood they were trained to give. In every Jewish home in Palestine we see from two to perhaps more than a dozen boxes placed in various parts of the house and written on each is the special charity to which the box is devoted. Into these boxes even tiny children are trained to drop a coin at special times, and it is considered a happy privilege to do so at times of thanksgiving to God. The coins thus collected are from time to time distributed amongst the sick and the needy. There is one hospital near us, and though it is known to be well managed, very few Jews whom we know go there for treatment, for it is a missionary hospital and we strongly object to the methods of christian missionaries instead of many of them as formerly persecuting us for clinging to our dearly beloved religion they now try by acts of kindness in times of sickness or poverty to influence our people in favor of accepting their religion indeed i have heard some of our people say that they would rather go to the arabs for treatment than enter the missionary hospital Therefore, those who cannot nurse the sick ones at home take them to the Bikur Holim, which a doctor visits once every few days. A mother, wife, or father goes with the patients to give them the necessary food and medicine, for in the Bikur Holim there are no trained nurses. The relatives also keep the patients clean and tidy, but little cooking is done there, as the food is generally brought cooked from the patients' homes. I once went to visit the Bikur Holim. One patient I saw had a jug of cold water brought to her, and though her own lips were very parched, she would not take even one sip, but had the water given to those near her, who, in a very high state of fever, were clamoring for water. Other patients I saw were cheerfully and willingly sharing their food with those who had none. Until I had visited that Bikur Holim, I had never realized what real charity meant for these sufferers in their love and thoughtfulness and genuine self-sacrifice towards fellow-sufferers less fortunate than themselves were obeying in spirit as well as in the letter the time-honoured commandment given us to love one's neighbour as oneself the arrangements in the bikur holim are most insanitary disinfectants are unheard of and i greatly pitied the poor unfortunates that have to go there mr jacob was too overcome by his feelings to continue so for a few minutes there was a deep silence then one of the listeners said, One is thankful to remember that this letter was written fifty years ago, and conditions must have improved since our writer first went to Palestine. Yes, thank God, replied kind-hearted Mr. Jacob, and then he continued reading the letter. Most of the patients die, but a few get cured and leave. If they do, it is certainly more through faith in God's love and mercy than through the remedies they receive while there." Now I want to tell you of a voluntary service which respectable, well-to-do men and women, and even scholars do, for the poor who die. These kind folk are called the Chavra Kaddishah. No doubt because of the heat, there is a strict law that no one who dies in Palestine is allowed to remain unburied long, and it is believed here that the dead continue to suffer until they are entombed. So the custom is to bury within twelve hours everyone who dies. The Chavra Kaddishah look upon such a deed as a mitzvot. If a poor woman dies, one of these kind women at once goes to wash the corpse and lay it out ready to be put on the bier. Then when all the relatives and friends of the deceased have given vent to their sorrow by weeping, some men and some scholars belonging to the Hever kadishah voluntarily carry the bier on their shoulders to the place of burial, which I think is the Mount of Olives, while others dig the grave and a scholar or two read the prayers over the dead. By the Hever kadishah beggars and tramps are thus washed and buried when dead, free of expense, by these good self-sacrificing people at all times and in all weathers as a sign that in death all are equal the people who can afford it leave enough money to pay all their own burial expenses or these are paid for by their relatives acts of charity towards very poor girls who have no dowry or suitable wedding clothes are very touching and generous it is considered a disgrace to the community if a poor girl is not given the opportunity to marry and a community not only provides a dower, but also seeks for a bridegroom for her. The housewives willingly and generously prepare the wedding feast, for every one is willing to give something from their storeroom. No shame is attached to poor girls accepting such help, for it is considered a duty by all our brethren to provide what is necessary for a bride who has not the means to get things for herself. I am sorry that I cannot write more by this mail. One listener interrupted, saying, most of what you have read, Mr. Jacob, happens in Russia and in other parts of the world where Jews live in ghettos. Quite true, said Mr. Jacob, for wherever Jews live together they keep up old customs, and all old customs are more or less alike in all ghettos. It is only when we Jews live outside the ghettos, under different surroundings, that we are tempted to throw over many religious customs. The unfortunate thing is, that we are too often inclined to throw off the really good customs rather than the useless ones, and more inclined to adopt the bad traits and customs of our neighbours rather than the good ones amongst whom we live, be it in England, France, Germany, India, or elsewhere. This is a bad habit, and we must do our utmost in the future to guard against it. For if we all made an effort to retain our own ancient customs that are really good and beneficial to ourselves and others, and adopt only the good and healthy customs of our neighbors, then indeed we might feel we had a right to call ourselves, and be recognized by those we live amongst, as God's chosen people. End of chapter 8